The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. Take your Bibles as you're standing. Turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4. This morning I want to talk to you for a very few minutes, well, maybe longer than that, you never know, about putting the giving back in thanksgiving, the fact that it is our choice to put the giving back in thanksgiving. Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, Paul said these words, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Oh, do you realize that's a command with a promise? If you do these things, the God of peace will be with you. Father, right now, I speak peace in this house. I speak thanksgiving over this congregation. Lord, I pray that this be a house of praise, a house of worship, that we know and understand what a mighty God we serve. And we're always ready to give an answer for the hope that is in us. Bless your people today and fill us with a heart of thanksgiving. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. You may be seated. I grew up in the age when electronics were just becoming popular. I remember the Commodore computer. Some of you do as well, right? I remember when I bought my first word processor in 1987. It was just a step above a typewriter, but my goodness, I thought I'd stepped into a whole new age. Because that thing could record digitally what I typed on that keyboard. It was an amazing thing. And then when we went to the PC, it was even more amazing to me. And I began to realize at that time that what I got out of that particular unit really depended on what I put into that particular unit. You know, it all depended on how accurate I was. It depended on what I was putting in those keys, what would then come back out on that monitor or through the printer. You've all heard the term garbage in, garbage out, right? We understand that. We know that. It's a part of who we are today. And I can remember the first cell phone I got. It was in a bag about this big. Had to have an antenna on top of my car. Had a big old handset on it. It was a wonderful thing, man. I was in tall cotton with that bag phone. And then as the years progress, things begin to change, and we find ourselves with phones that can pretty much do anything you want them to do. Brew the coffee, turn the lights on and off in your house, record your TV, change the channels, whatever you want, they can do it. They're smartphones. i got to tell you, I hate smartphones. I love the old Razor. Anybody remember that Razor, that old flip phone? I love that phone. That was my favorite of all time. I had a dozen of those things. I'd lay them on the console in my pickup and be driving down the road, and the first thing you know, I'd slam on my brakes and boom, into the coffee cup it'd go. Well, they weren't impervious to liquid, so I'd have to get a new one. Again and again and again, I did that. And then I graduated to the age of Blackberries. Oh, I love Blackberries. Anybody here a Blackberry user? Very few around. Well, a few weeks ago, matter of fact, it was when we were out at Chattahoochee, finished up painting that church, my Blackberry crashed. Took it to the store on a Saturday afternoon, and they said, your operating system has fried itself. Everything you had in the phone is gone. You need a new phone. I said, can you get me another BlackBerry? Yes, we can do that. We'll order one. It'll be there on Tuesday. Tuesday came, I didn't have a phone. Wednesday came, I didn't have a phone. 
Now, I got to tell you, those days were some of the best of my recent life being completely unplugged. It was wonderful. I loved it. Nobody calling me, nobody texting me, no emails to check on my phone. I loved it. I'm thinking about going back to the Stone Age. Thinking about it. So on Wednesday when I didn't have a phone, I went back to the store again and I said, I still don't have a phone. Well, we don't understand that we shipped it. Well, I got to have a phone. Do you have a Blackberry in the store? No, we don't have one. Bunch of communists is all I can tell you. Unbelievable. I sent my kids an email on Saturday night after my phone went down and I said, my phone's down for a few days. It'll take a few days to get a new one. So if you need me, call Yvonne's phone. She's always good to answer. My oldest daughter sent back, Dad, go get an iPhone. That way your grandkids can play games on it. I don't need a phone that you can play games on. You understand? Don't need that. My oldest son sent back, the reason it's taking several days is they've got to find the one store in the whole world that still sells Blackberries. So I went back to the store on Thursday of that week, and I broke down, and I got one of those smartphones. So let me tell you something. I hate this thing with a passion. I hate it. Matter of fact, this last week, it wasn't ringing. I was missing call after call after call. If you called me, I didn't answer. Wasn't my phone. It was a stupid phone. My fault. It was a stupid phone. All right. So I was telling Sadie, who's very tech proficient. Stand up over there, Sadie, so everybody can see you. Sadie's our administrative assistant. No, come on. Stand up. Give her a hand. She does a great job telling Sadie about my problem. And she said, it's user error. Oh, can you believe me? I went home for lunch. I was telling Yvonne, this stupid phone won't ring. I'm missing all kinds of calls. And she said, it's you. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe that? So I started, went back to the store. Actually, I said, this phone won't ring. You need to give me a new one. You know, they did all this fancy stuff, scrolling, pushing screens and buttons. And all of a sudden he said, well, it's because you got it on do not disturb. How did that happen? I don't know. It's the phone. It's not me. It's got to be this phone. You see, when it comes to giving thanks, often we look at our circumstance and we say it's somebody else's fault. Someone else is the cause or the reason, just like I did with this iPhone that I still hate, by the way. But we need to understand it's our choice to give thanksgiving and praise regardless of the circumstance. Regardless of what's going on around us, it's our choice to give honor to God. You see, we have to choose to live a life of thanksgiving. We choose to live a life of giving thanks and giving honor and giving glory and giving praise. Giving of ourselves, our time, our talent, our tithe into the kingdom of God. It's a choice you and I make. And can I tell you, if we don't make that choice, then the old expression, garbage in is garbage out, is what's going to happen in your life. It's time to stop accentuating the negative and begin focusing on the blessing and the goodness of God. Recognizing all that God has done in you and for you and what he's done in your life. Do you realize that experts tell us we have 10,000 thoughts a day? I kind of thought about that and I said, that may be men. Women probably have 20 times that many, you know what I mean? 10,000 thoughts a day. I get tired just thinking about that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, some of you, you spend most of your time thinking about bluebell ice cream. Yeah, those two ladies on the front row. Some of you spend most of your time thinking about Florida State football and how are we going to get in the championship game. I got a word for you this morning. 
This is how the committee is going to get you in the championship game, okay? You ready for this? Beat Chattanooga by 60. Beat Florida by 40. 40 hours of community service from each player and coach on the team. Stop ISIS. Put a man on the moon and change water into wine and you'll get in the championship game. All right, you got to love that, don't you? Got to love it. Some of you spend all your time looking at your retirement, your stock market. How am I going to survive? Can I tell you, it's time to think better things. It's time to think about what God says about you. God said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I have towards you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil to bring about hope and future. Oh, come on. I'm tired of thinking about the negative things. I'm tired of hearing what the enemy is saying. I'm going to put my mind in line with God's word. And I'm going to think the thoughts he thinks about me. They're peace and hope and a future. Somebody say amen. It's time to think God thoughts in this place today. Amen. When I think about what God thinks about me, he thinks I'm his friend. He says, I'm redeemed. He says, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm blood washed. He says, you are the apple of my eye. He says, you are my priest. You are those that I have set apart and called into my purpose. He said, you're holy and you're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Come on, begin thinking about what God thinks about you. See, because what we think determines how we live. Read it, even even from a secular perspective, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Beware of your mindset, because what you think about is what you become. Norman Vincent Peale said, change your thoughts and change your world. Henry Ford gave it a slightly different twist when he said, thinking is the hardest work in the world, which is probably why so few people engage in it. But he said, Shelley said, two thoughts cannot occupy the mind at the same time. So the choice is ours whether or not our thoughts will be constructive or destructive. See, I want you to hear this morning, our thinking produces either peace or poison. One or the other. There's no other middle ground. It's peace or it's poison. You can recognize that when you choose to follow the plane and the line of the devil and believe his lies, you're going to drink poison in your heart and in your life and in your your mind. The enemy says, think about how bad you've got it. Think about all that is against you. Self-pity is what he wants you to think about. And I'm the first to tell you sometimes life is hard. Sometimes things are difficult. Sometimes things are unfair. Sometimes you do get hammered by circumstances. But I also want to tell you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you'll look up instead of looking out, he'll change your thinking. You say, well, you wouldn't say that if you knew what I was going through. If you just lived with my spouse, if you had to live with my children, if you had to put up with my boss, if you had my sickness, my diagnosis, my disease, oh, I've got news for you. That's where the devil wants your mind to camp. But God wants to lift you and to elevate you. He seated you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And it's time to let your mind flow from where God's at, not your circumstances are at. Self-pity always leads us to blame. Someone else's fault. Someone else is responsible. If only, I can hear it now. If only I would have been potty trained before I went to school, things would be a lot different. Probably not. Probably not. Blame then leads us to an unwillingness to change. We become inflexible. 
Because it's not our fault. It's someone else's fault. I'm not the one that needs to change. Someone else needs to change. Have you ever met someone like that? Don't raise your hand, but are you someone like that? And flexible, refusing to change. I see it almost every day. People walk into the office needing something, wanting something, expecting something. And when I say, where do you work? I don't have a job. Can I tell you, if someone's genuinely in need, I'm going to do everything I can to help them. But if they're just lazy, they're going to get the right foot of fellowship. Come on, we need to understand that. It's all a mindset. Don't be offended by that. It's what the church needs to say publicly. God has a plan for your life. Step up, step into it, and let him show you his great power. Amen. Unwillingness to change. And that leads us to anger and to bitterness. Our memory, our mind, our spirit are filled with the horrible things we have endured. We begin to stew in our own juices. We have a chip on our shoulders so large, anybody who brushes against it is going to knock it off. That's the way we live our life. I'll never forget when my kids were small. Because we were pastoring, one of the things I wanted to do was find an activity when they were out of school that we could do together. So I bought a boat. It was a great thing. I loved it. No one's at the lake on Monday or Tuesday or Thursday, you know. So I'd take my kids to the lake. We had a great time. They all learned how to ski. And, you know, I'm, I'm cheap Charlie. You need to understand that if you don't know that already. And when it came time to winterize that boat, I thought, I can do this myself. I've done a lot of mechanic work. It's not a big deal. So I thought I winterized it. Well, in northern Kansas, it gets cold. You know what I mean? It's not like Tallahassee. It doesn't get cold in Tallahassee. Quit singing that sad song to me. I don't want to hear it. It doesn't get, I didn't even wear a coat last year. It doesn't get cold in Tallahassee. It gets cold in northern Kansas. So when I pulled that boat out in the spring and I put the hose to it to start the motor, all of a sudden I had water running everywhere from the intake manifold because I didn't drain the manifold. Froze it up, busted it. I thought, well, I can do this myself, but I don't have time, so I took it to the dealership. When I went to pick it up, I knew it would be expensive. I just didn't know how expensive. You know what a boat is, don't you? It's a hole in the water you pour money into. It's exactly what it is. Katie, my youngest daughter, was with me. I came out after I'd hooked onto the boat, paid the bill. I was mad as a hornet for what they charged me. I was angry. I said, I can't believe how much this place costs. She's hearing me, sitting there in the seat beside me. I said, I bet if they changed the air in my tires or put air in my tires, they'd charge me $300. Katie was five years old. She didn't understand sarcasm. And she said, well, Dad, wouldn't it be cheaper just to go to the gas station? Come on, we need to understand our perspective changes when we're angry and when we're bitter. We take in poison when we think this way. But God tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be ye not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and perfect and acceptable in your lives. So we need to say, what does God want me to think about? Well, that's where we come to Philippians 4, verse 8. And this is what he says. He said, if it's true, think about it. Truth is the first test. If it's true, and just leave that scripture on the screen if you don't mind. If it's true, think about it. Before you open your mouth, ask, am I speaking the truth? Do your words have a ring of truth to them? The, this question rules out all dishonesty, all untrue, all unreliable communication. It just puts it out. How many of you realize that a problem with Christians is that we like to talk about things that we don't have all the information about? 
know what that's called? It's called gossip. And I'll never forget years ago when the old pastor had a huge gossip in his church. I mean, this lady would make up stories when she didn't have anything good to say. And they were never good when she made them up. And one Sunday, God got a hold of her and convicted her of that gossiping spirit. And she came running to the altar. She said, Pastor. And that was when we had wooden altars. You remember those, right? Yeah, I long for that day sometimes. She said, Pastor, I need to put my tongue on the altar. He said, wait just a second, sister. Let me pull them both together so it'll fit. (laughs) Speak the truth. Speak the truth. Number two, is it noble? Is it noble? That word means honorable or worthy of reverence. It refers to that which is majestic or awe-inspiring. Does it reflect God character in your life when you speak those words? Number three, is it right? Is it right? This means in conformity with God's standards. Not do I think it's right. Not does the world think it's right. Not do my friends think it's right. But is it right in God's eyes? It's in your outline. Think about it. If your thoughts were broadcast for the world to hear, would you be ashamed or embarrassed? If so, you probably need to change what you're thinking. Change what you're thinking. Number four said, make sure it's pure. Pure. Pure means undefiled, chaste, clean, holy. Touches the entire gamut of moral purity. Is your thought life clean? My mama used to say to me, get your mind out of the gutter, boy. And then if I said something she didn't like, she washed my mouth out with soap. Anybody ever had that done to them? It's a horrible experience. I think it's child abuse probably. She's already in heaven, so one day I'll take that up with her. You know what I mean? But is it pure? Number five, he said, is it lovely? Whatever is lovely. This is the only time in the New Testament this Greek word is used, which is translated lovely. It literally means, does it show love towards Another writer translated it this way, those things that grace attracts. Does your speech be one of those things that grace attracts? The word picture we're given here is as a magnet attracts iron filings, that's the way our speech should be. People should be drawn to the grace of God. People should understand the wonder of God. People should understand the greatness of God. Is it lovely? Is it lovely? Now listen to me. This is a truth you need to write down and remember. It may be true, it may be right, and it's still not lovely. I'm going to say that again. I don't think you got it. It may be true, it may be right, and still not be lovely. You see, we deal in a lot of that. Well, I just need you to know the truth. Probably not. Keep it to yourself. If it isn't something that grace attracts, stop it. Leave it there. Put it in God's hands. Don't go down that road. Is it lovely? See, here's the rule. If it's lovely, it's going to make you lovely. And if it's not lovely, it's not going to make you lovely. So don't say it. Don't repeat it. Think on these things. Is it lovely? Number six, is it of good report or translated admirable? Is it admirable? Is it worthy of study and contemplation? Is it something I can meditate on and chew on and put down in my spirit and roll around again and again and again? Is it admirable? Is it of good report? You see, this question says, focus on the positive, not the negative. Talk about the constructive, not the destructive. 
Oh, do you understand? The enemy comes to steal, clear, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that you might have life and that more abundantly. So ask yourself, is it of good report? Interesting to me that all of our houses have a living room and a bathroom. Amen? And typically, it's the living room we show off and display. We don't show off the bathroom unless you're on one of those silly DIY shows where they want a spa-like experience in the bathroom. I don't get that. Anyway, you didn't either, obviously. Okay, bad joke. We'll move on. My wife was offended. She loves DIY shows. Amen. Fixer-uppers. Let's go. Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? Everybody knows. Absolutely. Anyway, is it of good report? We all have a living room and a bathroom. But the living room is where people can see the bathroom is for people to use. You see, in our front yard, we plant roses for people to see. But what we also need to understand is there's a sewer line running underground. It's for a reason. Some things you want to see and some things you don't. Can you say amen? So ask yourself, is it of good reports? And then number seven, is it morally excellent? Number eight, is it praiseworthy? Morally excellent refers to virtue. Praiseworthy refers to those things that God himself would approve of. And Paul wraps it all up by saying, think on these things. It's a command, not a suggestion. It's a command. Think on these things. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. Every time you get down in the dumps, every time you begin getting negative, would you open to Philippians 4, 8, and 9? And would you read that list one more time? Would you say, is it true? Is it of good report? Is it admirable? Is it holy and pure and clean? Is this something I should be entertaining? Because verse 9 says, if you think on these things, the God of peace will be with you. Remember, you're really not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Because it's all in the mind. And the greatest battlefield we encounter is in the mind. That's where the enemy comes in. That's where he plants seeds of doubt and despair and hopelessness. That's why Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why when you continue to read the writings in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 22 through 23, I'll read verse 23 only from the uh, New King James. It says, Keep or guard your heart with all diligence. With all diligence, when you read that passage from the message, this is what it says. Listen to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. Keep my message plain, in plain view at all times. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live, really live, body and soul. They're bursting with health. Keep it vigilant. Watch over your heart because that's where life starts. Watch over your heart. Guard your thoughts. Because that's where life starts. You see, sooner or later, your thoughts become your reality. In order to change your life, you need to focus on the things of God. Focus on the blessing of God. Focus on the promises of God. Stop focusing on everything that's happening around us. Yes, ISIS is doing bad things around the world. Yes, we're seeing all kinds of calamity. But I choose to focus on the fact that my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, I will see Him. Somebody say amen. It's time to focus on the promises of God. You see, these two verses are God's prescription for believers trapped in unhealthy living. 
If you have a problem in your life, you go to the doctor, they write a script, you go to Walgreens, get it filled, you take the pill and you get better. I've got news for you. If you'll take the pill, Philippians 4, 8 and 9, you're going to get better. Your life is going to change. Your thoughts are going to be transformed. Things are suddenly going to be changed in your life from the inside out. From the inside out. Focus on the good. Focus on the pure. Focus on the true. Focus on the holy, on the right, on the lovely. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So I just don't know that I can do it. Well, if you're a born-again believer, you've already got the power. Because Jesus Christ, the moral authority for the universe, lives within you. He didn't entertain unpure, improper thinking, but he focused on the things of God. And because of that, he will give you the power to do the same thing when you determine to let him change you from the inside out. See, Jesus is all virtue. He is all beauty. He is all loveliness. He is all holiness. He is all truth. He is all good and he is all right. And because of that, we tap into his power. We're drawn to him like filings to a magnet. And his power begins to flow through our lives and transform us and change us by the power of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking to you about some abstract philosophy this morning. I'm talking to you about a truth that will transform. If you will tap into the truth of Jesus Christ that Paul shared in these passages, he will change you. Wednesday night, I showed a video to the youth that was about Brian Welsh, who was a lead singer for the band Corn. Most of us don't even know who that is. He'd been a drug addict, a meth addict his entire life. And one day, someone said to him, his realtor, he said, said to him, I don't want to be all weird, but can I tell you about Jesus? There's a better way to live. Folks, I don't want to be all weird. Well, I probably do want to be all weird. This is the house of God. We're talking about Jesus. Can you say amen? I want you to know there's a power you can experience that will transform your life. He said, when I accepted Jesus into my heart, the love of God flowed through me. I felt it like a burning sensation from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. It flowed out of me to touch my daughter and to transfer her, transform her life as well. Folks, what I'm telling you, I'm telling you this isn't some abstract philosophy. When you walk in relationship with Jesus Christ, he transforms you and me. And it's a wonderful thing that happens and a wonderful thing that occurs. Kind of reminds me of that old song. Some of you may remember it. Stuart Hamblin wrote it years ago. It is no secret what God can do. What he'd done for others, he'll do for you. With his arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. Moments like that, I wish I could sing. Moments like this, you're glad I don't. But I come to tell you, it's no secret what God can do. What He did for your mama and your daddy. What He did for your husband and your wife. What He did for that neighbor down the street. What He did for that fellow employee. What He's done for thousands of years. If you'll just say, Lord, I need you, He'll do for you. Because it's no secret what God can do. Because when Christ reigns in your heart, believers... You'll love the good and you'll hate the bad. When Christ reigns in your heart, you'll love the truth and you'll shun the falsehood. When Christ reigns in your heart, you're going to love the lovely and hate the ugly. When Christ reigns in your heart, you're going to love the pure and despise the dirty. That's what happens 
when Jesus takes control and when we begin to think on these things. Stand your feet with me today, please. I'm not going to give another altar call. This is what we're going to do. Man, would you please come back? Didn't give them much warning, so they're going to have to get here quickly. I want us to worship today. I want us to praise today. And I want us to sing that song, This Is Amazing Grace, one more time. And if you're in this room, you need some transformation in your thinking. As we begin to sing this song, I want you to throw your hands up. I want you to begin to praise and worship Him. I want you to say, Lord, that's me. I've come today for you to touch me, for you to change me, for you to transform me. And I'm not going to walk out of here like I came in. I'm going to let you make a change in my life today. Will you do that? Right where you stand. As they begin to sing, just throw up your hands. It is amazing grace. It is unfailing love. When we begin to consider and think of all the good things that God has done for you and me. Come on, let's sing it out this morning. It is amazing grace. Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church located in Tallahassee, Florida. Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com.